Uh, the psalm starts off, it says, uh, shout joyfully to the Lord. The, the joyfully is kind of implied. It's really just give a shout out to God, all the earth. In other words, everybody on earth has reason or has cause to be able to give a shout out to God. And uh, what shout out means is uh, it, it, it could be as simple as like, you know, someone's doing some sort of podcast or show and they give a shout out to one of their sponsors, maybe hold up some sort of product and they give a shout out to it. What they're saying is this product's good. This product is something, you know, someone that's endorsing us and stuff like that. It could be kind of a, a cheap thing, but it's also, it's really at its base. It's just saying here's someone or something that's really good that has contributed to my life. That's, uh, sort of putting my hope in. Uh, I was trying to give a uh, maybe a more internalized example of it. Uh, the only thing I could think of this is kind of a, a silly example. It's maybe kind of I, I grew up sort of blue collar, so this is a uh, one time I went back to visit a bunch of family members in Iowa. I had never seen them before. I hadn't. I'd been back there once, you know, early on in my life, and. Uh, so they asked me how I'm doing, said I'm doing good. And they asked, you know, what I'm doing for work and stuff like that. And I, I told them and they said, well, that sort of, you know, sounds a little part time. And I said, well, I mean, I'm going to school. And then they said, uh, well, why are you doing that? <laughs> so I was thinking, well, I don't know. I don't really know why I'm going to college, to be honest. I'm just sort of taking it. Set. I didn't say that, but I just said to them, well, what are you thinking? And, and they said, well, if you had started working at the Perina plant, as soon as you graduated from high school, then you'd be able to retire in your early 50s. And basically what you're doing is just wasting away your years of retirement. And I could tell what they were thinking was, is that I was saying I was sort of giving a shout out to college that this is where my hope and happiness is going to be. That wasn't really what I was doing. They just sort of read that into it. Um, but what they were saying was sort of giving a shout out to the Perina plant. And you could see why they had, you know, they explained what, why they were thinking that, that they had a lot of family members that had, you know, retired, paid off their house. The Perina plant was really good to them. It hired from within. And, you know, the earlier you can get started, the earlier you can get on and you can have more years of retirement, which is where your joy and happiness was going to be. Now, the sad part about that story is that the Perina plant, well, maybe this isn't the sad thing, but, but one sad thing about this is that the Perina plant doesn't exist anymore. And a lot of those family members, it ended up being a hope in something that ended up just disappointing. And that's what it's really getting at here in this song is that we give shouts out to these different things. And what the psalmist or what God's trying to say is we're, we're constantly giving a shout out to all these things. And when we do that, we're saying this is where our hope is, where our hope should be, where we're going to have the, and our hope, the psalm talks about is in terms of our gladness and our happiness and our joy, that in order for us to have the kind of life and happiness and joy and gladness, that we really need to be able to give a shout out to this type thing. And what God's trying to tell us is, look, there's plenty of reason for us to give, actually, 
give our shout out to God. And that if we were came to a place, it's not just saying make a decision to give a shout out to God. It's not saying make an ethical decision to give a shout out to God. He's just saying if we were to come to a place where we went down the road of thinking where naturally what progressed from it was we just gave a shout out to God, that would be a shout out that would not disappoint. That would be something that we could have a firm foundation for our joy and happiness. And so the rest of the psalm really explains why that is. That's just sort of a statement up front that, that if we go down the road to, to where we're able to give a shout out to God, then that will result in gladness and joy and happiness. The rest of the psalm talks about why that is the case and, and how it is that we can come to that place where we actually do give a real shout out to God. And the first thing that he, well, in the, the statement, he says, all the earth, which means all people, regardless of who you are. It's not a religious thing. You don't have to be religious. It doesn't, it doesn't depend on your situation. doesn't depend on rich or wealthy. It doesn't depend on whether we're going through a hard time or not. It's just saying at all times, everybody, this is available to us that our thinking and the way that we're going about doing things could lead us to this place where even if we're in trouble, we can give a shout out to the Lord, to God. And uh, here's the first thing that he says about that. He says, uh, serve the Lord with gladness, or uh, some say worship, but but that's really sort of applied. People look at it and, and see this psalmist talking about worship, and so they Put that in, but but the base of the the word is work, and it means uh, work. Do the Lord's work uh, with gladness. And, and, but the work that's being talked about there, it's hard to put into a tra translation because the translation that we would put into if we really had the emphasis of work is that it has this emphasis of force to it. So so what you might you know. It would be like servant or slave or something like that. And, but it's not necessarily pulling in the negative connotations. It's just saying that God is doing his work through everybody, everybody in the entire world, whether you're religious or not, whether you're classified as good or bad or not, whether you know, you're going through something or not, whether you're rich or poor, everybody God is doing work through people and by force. And, and what that means is uh, that, let's say, for instance, your boss at work. Everyone has some sort of boss. Even if you own your own business, you still have a boss, that the customer. It doesn't matter whether that person's good or bad, whether that person likes you or not. You're saying God is capable of doing good work through that person for you. In other words, a lot of times we think, well, in order for my, God, my uh, boss for good work to come to me through my boss, my boss has to like me, or my boss has to be a good boss, or my company has to be a good company, that there's some sort of... Um, what you might say, uh, evaluation of the source. And, and that's logical. There would be need to be. 
But what he's saying is this is another way of looking at it, that if there is a God that exists, and if that God loves us and cares for us, and if that God is all-powerful, then that God would be able to bless us and to do his work through other people, whether they want it to give him the credit or not, whether they want it you to be blessed or not, and that if that was the case, that would be much better than having to depend on a blessing from like a boss that, that loves us and cares for us or a company that loves us and cares for us or a Purina plant that loves us and cares for us. He's saying that, no, no, it's not the Purina plant that was giving. God was giving that. And whether that exists or not, it doesn't matter because God's going to continue to do it. So the beginning of finding a hope and the reason why giving a shout out to God changes things is because the, all the things that we're giving shouts out to are always in the end going to disappoint. But what he's saying is, is the way to be able to see the work of God is to be able to make a distinction that when something good comes our way, we don't need to evaluate the vessel that it comes in whether it's good or bad or its connection to us, we can see what we really need to see is whether God is using that vessel to bring us good work. Because a lot of our joy and happiness gets disrupted or, or we get worried or we have fear because we just don't know how these vessels are all going to work out and they all just end up being corrupt. But if we can see, and if this is true, that the good that's coming to us is coming to us from God through that, then our dependence would be on God. And we would look at that instead of falling apart every time one of these vessels, you know, breaks or something happens to it. And so that's what he's saying is the reason why this is important to figure out, because if this is true, then it will bypass a lot of things that just cause us so much worry. Like, for instance, you know, your boss at work may not like you. You might get fired. And if you do get fired, what does that mean? Well, if we see that we get to another place, another job that we like, maybe it causes us to move. And we actually end up in hindsight, you look back and this has happened to me before. It's like, wow, I just realized God just wanted me to move here. But because I'm so messed up and this other place was so messed up, it ended up just being this conflict that brought me here. But the reality is, is that we really didn't need to go through all that. God just was bringing me to a new place and he was giving me that gift and he was giving it to me through us all messing things up. But nonetheless, it was a gift from God. So you can see we get so caught up in that bitterness and that strife of just what's happening here because we think that the good in our life and the hope for gladness and joy is tied out in this stuff working out. But what he's saying is it's not tied up in this stuff working out. Whether It's fine for it to work out. And if we can join into this work of God with joyfulness, so it doesn't have to be that fine. But whether this works out or not, God is capable of taking us to the place that he wants us to. And in a sense, you could say he's taking us there by force. And maybe not in a sense, he is taking us there by force. But it's a good thing. And so he says the beginning of putting our hope in is we have to be able to distinguish between and be able to be open to the idea that God is capable of bringing us good and doing his good work in our life 
through situations and through people that it really doesn't matter that whether we've deemed it good or bad or whether it's messed up or not. He will bring us to the place that he has. And so we have to be able to be open to that. And then he says, uh, come before him with joyful singing. The word is sort of turning and facing. Uh, in other words, the problem isn't that God needs to start doing this type of thing where he's working through other people to bring us uh, joy and happiness and bring his good work into our life. It's not that that isn't happening. It's that it is happening, but we're just sort of ignoring the God part. We're just focusing in on this situation and that this relationship has to work out or that this person has to be good or that I have to have things squared out and I have to be good. I have to be right. And we put all our hope in that. He's saying you have to actually turn from that and look to what God is doing. You have to be willing to give God a shot. You have to be willing to at least take a look at it. He's not saying, oh, just, you know, blindly believe this and just go do it. I mean, that's what he says next. He says, know that the Lord himself is God. That no, it's not an ethical no, like I just made a decision. The, the no, the actual word, means to be able to see something. And, and so you know it because you see it. It's an empirical knowledge that's being talked about there. Something that I, I see it, I feel it, I hear it. And so therefore I know it. And what he's saying is, is in order to be able to have that with God, to be able to see that God is blessing us and to be able to give a shout out to God, it can't just be based on an ethical decision. It can't just be based on, well, the Bible tells me to do that. It has to be based on us actually seeing that this is the case and that God actually is taking care of me and that whether the person is good or bad or whatever their their intentions are towards me and whatever I'm doing that, that may be good or bad with that, that, that God is able to just sort of push it through and force through his good work into our life. And if you don't see that, then we're not going to believe it. And if we don't believe it, then we're just, the shout out isn't going to be from our heart. And so what he's saying is in order to see it, you have to be willing to look over and see God. You have to be willing to turn and face him. Uh, that's the first part. You have to be willing to at least check it out and see if this is the case with God or not. But if we just put our blinders on and just say, no, it must be within this, you know, two good people with good intentions towards each other, then good will come. If we're just locked into this train of thinking, then we'll never see what God is doing. We actually have to step away from that and, and look towards God. And, and then he says the the conclusion to that knowing, as he says, the Lord himself is God. The, the, it, it's actually, it's know that God is God, is basically what he says. But there's two different words for God that's there. The first word for God is Yahweh. It's the, uh, the Hebrew word for, for the personal nature. This is our personal God. But, but what it really is, is this is the God that is spoken of in the Bible. This is the God who, you know, came down to earth, became Jesus became a human being so that for the very first time, as he says, we could see God face to face. When people look at Jesus or looked at Jesus or interacted with Jesus, they were interacting with God face to face. And when we look at the life of Jesus, when we read through the Gospels and see who Jesus was, we're seeing God face to face. And he says that there's this God that we see, Jesus that's described and that 
we know is there uh, in the Bible that, that we look at, that that God is God, but the God that's used in this second phrase is uh, sort of the generic God or just uh, a God that is very, it's a common usage. In other words, people attribute this God to other things. In other words, it's like someone has uh, in the Bible, there would be like these household idols that would be passed on. They would call those God. And so what he's saying there is you have these gods and we all have these gods in our life, these little household idols that are passed down sort of generationally to each other. We have all these things that we're attributing it to, but what we need to be able to see if we open our eyes and we turn and face God, not these gods that we've been worshiping, but the God that we're reading about in the Bible, Jesus, if we, what we see is that this God that we read about in the Bible actually is the one doing the work, not these gods. And what these are is for us, a lot of times, you know, like for me, something that's passed down generation to generation is sort of the God of hard work. You just, it's passed down family to family. And so in my mind, a lot of times when things work out, I, they, I immediately think, well, this is because of hard work. And when someone's, you know, something's not going well, my you know, your gut instinct is, is to go back to that household idol of hard work and to say, you know, if we hard, did hard work or, or another one could be like responsibility or it could be education or it could be all sorts of different things. We have these things that are sort of we're giving shouts out all the time, whether we realize or not we are by the advice we're giving, by our demeanor towards people, by the way we look at them and the, the, the feelings that they get from us. That's all because we're giving out in our just it's oozing out of us these shouts out to all these little household idols that we're holding on to these little false gods that that we think are doing all the work that that if we just connect to all these little things then it says look you have to be willing to see that there's a god out there that's working through all of us and, and is bringing good into our life in a way that completely bypasses all of these false gods. We have to be willing to, one, take a look at who this God is that the Bible is describing, who this God is that, that became Jesus. We have to be a little bit open to, to see. That's what we're looking at, to see. And in order to do that, one, we have to be open to that God being there. Two, we have to be open, understand who this God is that the Bible is talking about. But the biggest part is we need to be willing to let go of all these other gods that we've just been forcing things into. And he's saying the key is, is not just to make a decision, but to really empirically take a look. Because a lot of times, whatever it is that happens, we just shove it into our sort of mode of shout out that we have to whatever God has been sort of passed down to us or we've developed or maybe in, in reaction to something else, but, but we just force it to fit into that. And he's saying, no, take a real look at that. And, and the example that he gives is he says, take a look all the way back at the beginning. And the example he gives of coming back to the beginning in terms of really taking an empirical look at things, he says, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. He's referring back to life itself. If we're going to have happiness, what we're really talking about in terms of happiness and gladness and joy, what we're actually talking about is life. 
life is about, real life is about living happily, uh, living with gladness, living with joy. That, that's where we want to go. And, and he says, if you take a look at that at the very beginning, how did you end up being born? How, how were you, how was, did you become a life? And what he says is, if you look at it at the very beginning, what's most obvious, you don't have to be religious. You don't have to even believe that God created you or whatever. But at the very least, you'd have to say, I didn't have any role in that. That wasn't me. That the life that I have was given to me. And you could say, well, it was given me through my parents. But what he's saying is, is if you really start thinking through this, you'll see it seems like this life was given to me by God. And whether things were good with my parents or not, my parents it may not even like each other anymore. My parents may not, I might not even know who one of my parents is. The situation may not have been good or, or whatever. It doesn't need to be that way because God by force brought good in and the good is giving you life, creating you and giving you life out of this situation that it doesn't matter whether people deemed it as positive or negative or that they should have done this or should have done that. It, none of that matters because the good is life being given and he gave it. And that's where it all starts. And he's saying that's where it all ends. And that's what we have to be open to. That we have to be open to the idea that the good that God's putting into our life is being given as a gift that it's being given. We have to be open to the idea, the possibility that this God that's being talked about in the Bible, that's personified by Jesus, that, that is Jesus, who's become this face-to-face example of God, what they've been talking about is not something that is earned. We have to be willing to, at the base, give up all these idols that we have, but all these idols are around the same notion, the same thought, and the same thought is, I have to earn it. I have to make it happen. I have to pick the right God. I have to pick the right philosophy in life, and we have to be willing to look and see, is there another way? And the other way is not having earned it. The other way is, is God willing to give it? as a gift. And until we're open to that possibility, we'll never be able to adequately evaluate. We have to at least be open to it in order to evaluate whether it is or isn't the case. And so he says, if we can come to that place where we give our shout out to God, that will be better. But how will we know that? We need to take an honest look at things. We need to be able to look past the work that's attached to a person. We need to look past the work that we think we need to do to make it happen. We need to look and see, is there a hope in a gift that God is giving that is apart from all of our works, that is different from that, because that's going to end up disappointing. And is there a hope that we can have a shout out to the Lord that's based on something different, on a gift, he says. He says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Uh, that's something that is talked about many times in the Bible, but, but at its very base of the first thing that pops out is his people, his pasture. In other words, 
the ownership is his. Jesus owns the sheep. Jesus owns the pasture. In other words, Jesus owns us and owns the entire environment that we're living in. And it's not like an ownership in terms of cash. It's just everything that, that we're feeding off of, that we're living in, that, 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 the, the circle that we exist in, that community, he's in ownership of all that, us and all that. And we don't like that concept initially because we think we need to have ownership in order to have security over our hope. We need to have ownership, and that's why we keep looking for these household idols or these ways that we think that we earn it, because the real core of us rejecting the idea of a gift and holding our hope to the idea of a work that we do, not that God does, but that we do, the reason why is because we, we feel like unless we own it, we can't have any security in it. But there is no security in us. Uh, you know, our ownership secures nothing. You could own your house, you could lose it. You could own a bunch of stocks, you can lose them. You could own a retirement, and you could lose it. We have all these things that we think, if I have ownership, then that will be secured. And he's saying that's a false. We have to be willing to look and see what if Jesus owns it? What if God owns it? We need to be willing to let him carry that burden. That's why Jesus says, you know, take on my yoke. My yoke is light. In other words, how is it that if you go back to an example of your boss at work, I need to be able to have a boss. Maybe I need to change companies to be able to have the right work environment. Maybe I need to, you know, do this and do this with my boss. I need to, maybe I just need to hard, do really hard work and they will see that. And then I will receive my due, you know, happiness from that and do credit for my company in this. If I have hard work and all that, he's saying, when we take ownership, we're constantly battling that out. And there's a lot of stress, a lot of worry by us taking ownership of our trying to take ownership. You're not going to be able to take ownership of your company. You're not going to be able to take ownership of the world around you. You're not going to be able to take ownership of the people. It, it turns out that we're not capable of fostering love in that type of environment. What he's saying is we need to be, if we want to see this, we've got to be able to give up these household idols. We've got to be open to the possibility of gift. But in order to do that at our core, we really need to be not as an ethical value, but as a matter of practically seeing that it is not the case that ownership protects me from anything. That, that the ownership, if the ownership is held by Jesus, then that's a better hope to hold on to. That's a joy that, that can't be taken away. And we have to be willing to rest in his ownership, to be able to just relax and say, God owns this situation. God owns the environment around me. God owns me. And the burden is on him to work this all out. And Jesus is saying, I'll take that burden. I accept that. It's perfectly okay for you to just give that ownership of that problem, this situation. Give it to me, he says. Find rest in that. 
Then he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. And, and why? Why all these things? Just because that's what we should say if we're fine? No. He's saying all these things will just pour out of us because we've seen, we've gone through this. And what we come to the conclusion is, is the Lord is good. And the good, the word good that's there, it's, it's a specific kind of good. You could actually, instead of saying the Lord is good, you could very easily translate it, the Lord is merciful. That what we found through the whole thing, through looking at the gift, through him taking the work, him taking the responsibility of ownership, that if we start to look at it and we give it a shot and we see that this is the case, what we see then is the character of God and what the character of God is. It is good, but it's good in a specific type of way. It's good in a merciful type of way. And what mercy means, it's good even though we don't deserve it. That's what we're taking rest in. That, that nothing good in our life is coming about because we deserve it or because someone else deserves it, or because we're good, or we've risen to the occasion, or someone else has, and this is what we're passing on to them, our little shouts out to our household idols. He says, if you just look past all that and look at the core and see the gift of God, what you will see is this gift. There's no possibility that this gift could be given if it wasn't for the fact that God is giving it on the basis of mercy, not based on merit, not based on us earning it, but just based on his love and his care for us, regardless of who we are. And that's why he says at the beginning, this is open to everybody. It's not open to religious people, to this person, that person, to people that need a crutch, people that don't need a crutch. He's just saying, if we really sit down, we'll realize that if this is based on God's love for us, and that love is based on mercy, then it's open to everybody in every situation. And if that is true, then his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness is there to all generations. Uh, let's pray as we close. And as I'm praying, if God has been stirring in your heart that you want to become a follower of him and you'd like to accept, uh, repent for our sins, repent for all the ways we've been just sort of giving shouts out to other things that we, we don't need. It doesn't need to be, you know, as we've said, not you're not going to know everything to repent for. It's just saying, yeah, the way I've been going, that's the wrong direction. If you've been feeling that, the Lord's brought that to your heart, and you want to turn, and you want to face him, and you want to grab a hold of this hope that's seen most clearly in Jesus, a hope for the forgiveness of our sins, a hope for God's loving kindness, his ownership over us, him taking responsibility. If we want to rest in that, and have Jesus be our Savior, and follow him on that basis. And the Lord's been putting that in your heart. Uh, pray with me right now. Jesus, we just thank you so much for the patience that you have with us. We thank you so much that you have just sort of poured your love out and your good works into our life, and that it's not dependent on us or dependent on other people, but you put it into our lives by force. We thank you for the control that you have over our life 
in the environment that we live in, but, but more than anything, Lord, I pray that you would really bring us to this place uh, of joy and happiness and being able to rest in you. And, and Lord, for those that are turning to you for the first time, we with them ask for forgiveness for our sins, and we turn our hearts to you. And we ask you, Jesus, to have mercy on us, to forgive us, and help us to turn and face you and follow you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.